0: Welcome to Revelation 5, uh, this podcast is going to start with a discussion, and then we'll jump into the teaching in progress, so we'll pick it up from here. All right, what do you got? Well, what?
1: Oh, sorry. I, was somebody speaking? No. I thought Jake was about to stay up oh, that I, I
0: was rushing a cookie <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Go ahead, kick just... us off.
1: No, I was just saying, like again, because Crystal and I had a sidebar. But for those that didn't hear, I just like how much like worship music comes from Revelation.
0: uh, Such as
1: such as like, well, there's a song like called "Who Is Worthy," and it so it talks a lot about like who's worthy to open this scroll with seven seals, and um, you know only he is worthy, and that's what that song talks about. And then like. Talking about like the lion of the tribe of Judah, we have that song, like the lion, lion yeah, and lion. the lamb, lion and the lamb. Like it says, like the lion of Judah, and it talks well. And then I mean, it goes, and this doesn't necessarily come into worship, but it just talks about like the imagery of a lamb that was slain, and that re- that very clearly represents Jesus, who is considered both the lion and the lamb. And okay. He
0: was slain. All right, so you got us kicked off. Yeah, sure. We're gonna we're gonna back we're gonna back it up a little bit because okay. <laughs> I want to set this thing up. So first, right at the bat, then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. What do we we talked about right right hands in the past last couple of weeks? of you guys were here, remember the significance whenever it talks about God's right hand. Feel free to be wrong. Yeah, that's the power hand Yeah, whenever you hear about God is doing something with his right hand That means it's power and authority I don't know what God has against Left-handed people, but in the Bible (laughs) Whenever it's the right hand Like if it says you will go be seated at the right hand Of God, it means you're going to sit with God In authority, that's what So, the authority Hand of God is the one that has a scroll Let's talk about scrolls for a minute So scrolls are obviously, they didn't have bound books yet. Um, That that technology is not, the printing press hasn't been invented yet. So you have scrolls. Um, So if I was going to send a really important message to Carter, let's say we are both kings of neighboring lands, King Carter and King Thomas of the neighboring (laughs) lands. Um, I would have my royal scribe, um, write down a message. Um, now here's something. What do you notice about the scroll in this passage? Unable to be opened. Unable to be opened. But what else do you notice specifically about the scroll? Has... Writing, on both sides. Writing on both sides. Yeah. They wouldn't do that unless they had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Like usually most scrolls are on one side. You roll it up, you seal it up, and you send it off. Very, because very, it was... Um, I was reading about it today. I was re, like rereading to prepare for tonight. The way the like the papyrus that they would write on it, like it was better on one side. Like the texture of it was more, I guess it was better to write on. It was it was harder to write legibly on the other side. So they would they would very rarely write on that side unless they really had stuff that had to be said. So if you ever see something in ancient literature that's written on both sides, I mean this is a document that they're saying a lot and it's really, really important. Um, so got my Royal scribe wrote down, we use both sides cause we had a lot to say. So they'd roll it up. They get wax, they drop wax on it to seal it up. This one they put multiple seals for max. it'd be kind of like if you think about like an apartment where they have like multiple deadbolt locks, the same kind of idea, multiple seals, for maximum security it, 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 and then they they had a, a royal ring that would push down into that wax that there was only one copy of that royal ring to like, so you know, like if, if Carter gets this letter from me and it's got my, you know, royal insignia on it, he knows it's for me. He doesn't even have to open it. He knows this is okay. This is from Tom. Um, if you were to break that wax you would know that that document like it's, it would be impossible to read that scroll without breaking the wax, right? Cause the wax gets hard, uh, as there's multiple of them. And so, so that this would be something of utmost importance. This is something that is meant to be taken very seriously. This is an urgent message, um, it's sealed up. And, um, only the person, usually what would happen is, um, you know, the person would have a ring. And then usually there might be like a counter ring or a counter symbol. That would be like the person who has the authority to open that would have that. And so in this scene, it's a little bit dramatic. It's written in a little more of a dramatic, um, style. Uh, but it says who is worthy to break the seals. Who's worthy to open this, this really important document. And the answer is Nobody. To start, and what does John do when they can't find anybody that's worthy? Again, this is a little bit dramatic. But he's trying to get a point across. What does he, cries. he? He cries like uncontrollably, and it isn't so much because he's depressed; it's because he is like desperate. John wants to. I want to know what's on this scroll. I want to open my Christmas presents. I want to know what is in this thing. He's desperate. He's desperate. Like they're, they're trying to convey this desperation to read this vitally important message. And then, one of the elders says, what does he say? Verse 5. Don't cry, because the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and it's seven seals. So, as we kind of talked before, the lion, Old Testament imagery again. King of the jungle, king of kings. You see that a lot. Like, if you look at, if you go back to like medieval times, you look at a lot of shields, a lot of standards, they'll have a lion that's like attacking. It's a a picture of strength, of power. They're conveying this kind of thing um yeah doesn't the, like the number seven have significance as well like, that, that's a, been a recurring thing We okay, of talked about it the last couple of weeks you might um, remember seven no but it's good it's to, like, like, like i don't know i i was like i don't know how to say it right but i know like kind of what it means i don't know to put it in the words. it's like i know like god, stuff related to god is always like seven is it like something to do with like purity or it's another p word perfection, perfection. perfection. That's, that's, yeah yeah that's awesome. and so whenever you see seven spirits that's actually just the holy spirit because you it also can be translated the sevenfold spirit it's just like this is a the perfect the only perfect spirit is the holy spirit and so same kind of thing so yeah um yeah sevens are seven is it represents perfection um so you got the lion um David is, um, again, we're rooting. This is not just like a piece of science fiction. I don't know if you guys ever heard of uh, Church of Scientology. They have a book called Dianetics written by this guy named, by the way, if uh, anybody has HBO Max and you want to get really disturbed and watch the documentary Going Clear about Church of Scientology, it's really wacky because essentially – L. Ron Hubbard was a science fiction author and he decided to make up a religion, which oh, actually costs money to participate to like rate, go into the higher levels of perfection. You have to pay money to have somebody administer this test. And that's what like, this is what Tom Cruise is like a part of. <laughs> and I enjoy Tom Cruise as an actor. I love Top Gun. I'm looking forward to the new Top Gun and Mission Impossible and all kind of stuff. So that's not a commentary about Top but it's very wacky, but that's a That's an example of, that is clearly like a religion that is very obviously made up like when i was in college actually i went to the church of science like one of our stops was to go visit the church of scientology um, in downtown minneapolis because i was taking a world religions class and our professor got pissed at us because they showed us their promotional video and we were all like you know bible and theology students we just started laughing because it was so ridiculous like literally A guy gets up. He's an actor in, like, really cheesy 80s movies. He's, like, the spokesperson on the video. He's, like, you could choose not to be part of the Church of Scientology, but that would just be stupid. You could also shoot yourself in the head. Like, literally, like, this is the script on the video, and we're all, like, who follows this? (laughs) Who actually? But people do. Tom Cruise. (laughs) Like, watch Going Clear. Like, people, like, give their lives to science fiction. And so this is very intentionally saying even though we're giving you like these very fantastical images and we're giving you on this like very, you know, crazy scope this is rooted in history, this is rooted in reality, this is rooted in things that happen. Jesus is a was a descendant, you know, Mary and Joseph are descendants of David who actually lived. You can go to his tomb. Like this is a historical fact that is like known. So all this always rooted in something that actually happened. We're not talking about space aliens that came to like this is Scientology. A metal? Tiny spaces.
1: Like imagine like you're part of the thing and like you're not even allowed to like entirely figure out like they don't tell you exactly like the whole story yeah. of you know, Scientology. You have to like level up right a, a yeah. bunch of times so then they tell you. And you're not allowed to share with anybody who is like uh-huh. an underling. I think that's insane.
0: Right. It's really bizarre. Right, right, right. So, so all of these things, but you've got, as we were talking about earlier, this contradiction, which if you've grown up in the church, we've just kind of accepted it. But you've got to think about how crazy this is. So you have a lion. This is ferocious, king of the jungle, picture of strength, picture of power, picture of like you are afraid of the lion. The lion is clearly in charge of the other animals. And you have a lamb. A lamb is typically a picture of, like, you know, calm and serene and not a lot of power. And, you know, a lamb requires somebody to take care of them. And lambs are cuddly. Um, and lambs are sacrificed. Lambs are killed. Lambs are slaughtered. I mean, literally... The high priest would walk up behind a lamb and slit its throat and pour out its blood. And so you could see, which by the way, we look at that and go like, wow, that's really messed up that they did that, right? Mm-hmm. Does that seem messed up to anybody? They're like, they just slaughter animals. But you know why they did that? Because it left an image. Like, if you knew you had to bring a little lamb that you've gotten to know for the last year and get attached to, and you've got to bring it into the high priest and watch the high priest slit his throat in front of everybody. And you get to watch, you know, it's ju- the blood from its jugular spray all over the ground. And you say, it's my fault. Like that lamb would still be alive if I didn't sin. Like, the, like, because I messed up that, that la- like that lamb had to get its throat slit. Leaves an impression like, huh maybe I should think twice the next time I'm going to do this because I know I'm going to have to. And they would have, like, guys, when – this is a sidebar. This is a sidebar, podcast people. <laughs> it's a good one, though. Um, forgiving. In the Old Testament, when they would come to bring op- – because they would bring – like, the richer you were, the bigger the animal. So, like, if you're wealthy, they would bring, like, a bull, like a big – freaking like several hundred pound bull and they would do the same thing and then they would they would put it on this altar and it would be this altar would be be like a big fire pit essentially and when like the day of atonement happened there literally be just like animal carcasses just piled up like all of the people's brokenness is all represented on this big pile of burning animals and it's just like wow we're pretty jacked up You know, like you would smell it because it's, it would stink, right? All these like charred animals that are, so that was like their testimony. They're like, wow, look how how jacked up we are. (laughs) Look at all those. And it would, it was like, it was crazy. There'd be like a crazy amount of just like piled up bodies, but it was just like, they don't have the Holy Spirit yet. They didn't have God inside of them to help them like know when they should, like, obviously they had, they had a conscience, but we have, like, if you followed Jesus and have, have, like, embraced Jesus and you're following Jesus, like, you have the Holy Spirit to help you, like, fight temptation and stuff. They didn't have that. So they had to have these, like, very visceral reminders of, oh, man, like, I really jacked it. And then the whole idea of scapegoats, because i guys ever heard of a scapegoat, the idea is they would take one goat. The high priest would put his hands on the goat's head, and would would basically pray this like representation of like praying the sins of all of the community on that lamb, and they let it go out into the wilderness. I was like, see, there's your, it's a scapegoat. It's like that lamb is going to take the blame for everybody else, and so then it would run, it would run off into, and it's like, okay, there goes my, there goes our, our junk. It's out of here that sort of escape, That's where you get the word scapegoat from. It comes back from the Old Testament. You learn something every day.
1: It, it, it makes like the complaints that people have about the
0: volume of our say laughable. Like <laughs> it, we're, not, we're not creating a mountain of dead, burnt animals. Like, the, the whole Lenexa would smell so bad. <laughs> I, like, I think about me. Like, how jacked up am I, right? Like, you think about and that's something, again, this is a sidebar we could get into, but we have gotten so used to the fact that when we bring our brokenness, that God is gracious and God will forgive us. And we abuse the crap out of that, right? Like, we just do. We're like, okay, I'm going to go, like, confess my sin and then let's go. Let's do it up again. You know, like, like it's yeah. like getting your oil changed. Just like, let me go. And, you know, like, that's how we deal with, like, our sin—it's like we're gonna—we know it's gonna get dirty again, but then we'll just go get it cleaned up, and we're gonna go bury it back out. As long as we, you know, get it changed every week or every couple days, like we're good, and we don't feel like the cost of that necessarily. Like obviously, if you have an addiction or you have like broken relationships, you can kind of get that. But a lot of times, we don't really. Like, we've, we've spent – so, and it's good. I don't think we should – don't hear me. I'm not telling you to go walk around in, like, guilt and shame and, like, you know, be, like, the ascetics back, like, whipping themselves every time. Like, there were people in church history that would, like, literally, like, Martin Luther would, like, whip himself when he would sin. Like, I'm not telling you to do that. Like, that's not a good idea. Bad, it's bad – <laughs> It's a did bad a, idea. <laughs> Martin Luther did a lot of messed up things. I was just say, some of these people that we've, like, held up, like, that dude did some pretty – He was not a healthy person, just emotionally, not a healthy person. Um, But the one thing he got, though, is just like, this is like, there's a cost like for like this whole idea of like this. The lamb had to be like Jesus had to be slain. Like that's that's on. It is ultimately on us. Now, what's different is the posture of the lamb that's slain. A couple things. If you look at when the lamb's introduced in verse 6, what is the, it says, looking as a lamb looking as it's been slain, what is it doing? Standing. So that's, why is that weird? That the lamb that's slain is standing. That standing. Right! <laughs> exactly! I was like, I was like, how, like, I was trying to picture that. I was like picturing like a- Land, but, like, standing there, like, the, this is really why I don't have a PowerPoint for this stuff. <laughs> not because it's gross, but because like it would not do it justice. Like me putting a picture on the t- a TV of like a painting would not do this imagery justice. This is supposed to. This is supposed to jog your imagination. It really is. Like you should be like entering into reading revelation with your right brain, like fully engaged, like the creative part of your brain should be like fully engaged when you're reading through this because you're supposed to be like getting these images like, Whoa, it's supposed to sort of leave you like in wonder and leave you in awe and lead you going like, man, I wonder what that would be like that. Like we're not supposed to dissect this like a, like a science book or like a, this is not a math problem for us to, to like figure out the formula of this is supposed to be something that's like a catalyst for us to go like, Oh, my lamb was slain like but he's standing like what the heck like that's supposed to be that's supposed to be what this does for you and so you got a lamb you got a lion that also is a lamb simultaneously it's slain but standing up okay
1: yeah that's jesus is.
0: that's jesus yeah yeah it's, that's basically like we're describing it's our, like i
1: was like Looking as if it had been slain because he, he died and resurrected.
0: So, yeah. That's the imagery. That's exactly the imagery. You're dead on. Dead on. Dead on. So, um, now what else do you notice about this lamb? He
1: has seven horns and seven
0: eyes. Okay. Which are the seven spirits. So, going back to seven, what, 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 what do you say seven was? We got horns. That's Again, this is a weird-looking weird, this is a weird looking lamb. He's a zombie lamb. He's dead. He's standing up.
1: He's also a lion.
0: He's also a lion. With seven horns. Okay. Seven eyes. So, horns. <laughs> Which annoys me because it's not like four and four. And I'm like a big... Like, <laughs> so you want some yeah. symmetry. I like symmetry. <laughs> I like even
1: numbers. And so, like... I mean, what does that say about perfection of even numbers, though? OCD. <laughs> oh, Reagan <laughs> has, has problems. I have a lot.
0: <laughs> okay, so the horn imagery comes from the Old Testament. surprise surprise, Book of Daniel. Any thoughts, any Bible scholars that know what that is? Isn't the horns
1: that they would like sound?
0: no it's different different imagery all this it's not obvious so I'll just I'll kind of just interpret this Um, it's 930 already so I don't want to keep us here forever and ever so anytime you see a horn or something with horns in apocalyptic literature which is what this is it's power and it's political power and so seven horns is perfect power Jesus is the King of Kings. He reigns over all of the other Caesars and everybody else that wants your authority presidents and all this kind of stuff. Um, Those lamb has perfect power, perfect authority. Seven eyes. Again, we kind of talked about this all seeing, all knowing, all perceiving sees even within our hearts, within our lives. Um, by the way, this, horn, this is not the last time you're gonna see an animal with horns. We're gonna get into that and over the next few weeks. You're gonna see some beasts and some dragons and all sorts of stuff that also have horns. And you're always gonna see it. It's all, whenever you see, this is the first appearance of, a, of an, this is, the, this is the, r- the real one. The real authority has the seven horns. Everything else that you see that has a horn is counterfeit. it is some kind of an authority pretending and wanting to have the authority of jesus and it's not and people are giving their allegiances to this person or this thing and it's it's it's, it's false it's, it's not it's a counterfeit um, okay this is cool so then we get to. Um the lamb takes the scroll 24 living creatures, 24 elders fell down before the lamb each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people so if you're ever wondering what happens to all those prayers that I pray? Because it doesn't seem like anything happens. Your prayers are the activator to the activity of God in the world. Now, you may not see that. You may not. It might be like, man, I just I feel like I've been praying for this and nothing is happening. I want to just guarantee you. Something is happening now. It might not be what you want to happen or the way or in the time that you want it to happen. But there's this, again, the question at hand for these people who are reading this for the first time is why is this happening to us? God, why are you allowing the Roman army to come through? And they like, we talk about like holy places and stuff like the Roman army comes through Jerusalem in 70 AD and destroys the temple. Which for Jewish people, that's like that's like the centerpiece of their faith is their temple. And there's an uprising. And so the Romans are like, oh, we're just going to destroy your temple and tell you that your God isn't, isn't worth anything and we're in charge. And so, um, so they're praying and they're praying and they're praying and they're like, God, why are you letting this stuff happen? Why are you letting injustice happen? And we still pray these prayers today, right? We see injustices happen in our world. We go, God, why do you let this stuff happen? Why bad things happen? Why, 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 why? And now in Revelation 5, you have the picture of, oh, God's listening to you. He is gathering your prayers together. And what's going to happen in chapter 6 is a direct result of the prayers of God's people. So when you pray, just have confidence. Though you may not see how they're being responded to, God is collecting your prayers and they are being put into action to make, to move God's purposes forward in the world. So, so just that, that is designed to be, that little phrase is designed to be an encouragement as well. Um, You're going to get a little bit of a uh, um, preview of what I'm preaching about on Sunday. Um, we get into, you know, you are worthy to take the scroll and all this kind of stuff. It says, who's, who's saying this persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. We're going to talk about that because that image is going to get repeated again in Revelation seven. Think about that for a minute. Every person who has ever followed God, gathered around. I made a note in here that right now, there are 6,500 spoken languages in the world. You know, we sometimes like will have like a worship service with like English and Spanish. We're like, oh, that's really cool. We did like a verse in Spanish. Imagine a worship service with 6,500 languages all happening simultaneously. Now let me say this: There are seventeen thousand people groups in the world today. That means like different cultures, different dialects. Seventeen thousand. Currently, ten thousand of those people groups have the gospel. Have like have heard the message. There's some. That means there's still seven thousand. In in two thousand years, we've gotten ten. We were ten thousand deep. We still have seven thousand left. There's still seven thousand people groups in the world today that have no they've never heard this message never even had an opportunity to hear this message seven that's that's millions of people that have never even had a chance to hear but it's an encouragement because it's happening so at some point it's going to happen and you know i would actually say You know, I I know people will say, like, man, I just hope Jesus comes back because this this really sucks. Or, like, I'm going through a really hard time. I just want Jesus to come back. I think there is a case to be made that Jesus isn't coming back until all 17, until there is a gospel movement in all 17,000 people groups. So if you want Jesus to come back, get (laughs) cracking. Because until everybody's got a shot to hear, he wants every... Now, I'm not saying every person on planet earth, but there will be at least a representative from every people group that inhabits the planet worshiping God. So they probably are not going to be singing your favorite worship song in, in your language. Like that's probably not like, I know sometimes like we, and I'm going preach about this on Sunday, but like I think sometimes when we th- picture heaven, we picture like, people that we know and our family members who have passed away and it, like we we're, were all singing like my favorite song like there's gonna be instruments you've never even seen before like being played in in this thing and like it's gonna be crazy and matter of fact it talks about in revelation 7 that it's a number of people that cannot be counted and you notice i think it's in this passage it talks about yeah yeah The 10,000 times 10,000. Do you know why it's 10,000? I didn't know this until like very recently. So if you don't know, it's completely understandable. You want to take a guess why it's 10,000? Well,
1: I know there's that song 10,000 reasons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This was written about Chris Tomlin. This this passage. Someday Chris Tomlin's going to write a song. (laughs) We're going
1: to write about it. This is for you. Chris. This is from a boy, Chris. <laughs> what a weird this, name. This far off <laughs> land,
0: which think about it. Actually, like when this was being written, like my ancestors were the savages. Like my ancestors were the barbarians. My ancestors were worshiping rocks in Europe. Like they were like, you know, think about who like, like if my, our ancestors were German and English they were, like the, like, the very Visigoths. And they were doing, like, awful, awful things to people until they followed Jesus. Like, when in the first century, like, the people living in ancient Germany and ancient, you know, England were doing some crazy stuff. They were not following Jesus. So, like, the fact that I'm sitting here and I'm guessing a lot of you are sitting here is because, like, somebody was encouraged by this. Because when this was written... You could count. You could count how many. I mean, it wasn't that big. There was a few thousand people scattered around the Mediterranean Sea, these different cities. So imagine how that would have felt to them to be like, hey, what you are doing right now is going to result in 10,000 times 10,000 times 10,000. Does anybody want to guess the 10,000? It's not a Chris Tom reference. Limitation of. Yeah. Ten thousand was the biggest number that they had in Ancient Greek. So basically that's the way they're like we don't like there isn't a number bigger than ten thousand in ancient Greek because they didn't need it. So if you talk if you want to talk about a number bigger than that, you just say, Well we're we'll gonna times it by ten thousand. That'd be how so what John's communicating is like this is like the biggest number you've ever thought of and you could ever think of of people. That's that's where that that is. And so imagine being like the 11 disciples, 11 people, saying, What you do is going to result in, a, in people from every tribe, tongue, and nation around the world that is in a crowd of people that you can't even count. Like, how would you feel if you're one of those original 11 here in this? Like, we have, how many people do we have? Now? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. We have 12. We have more than 11. Imagine if you got a word from God, like the the ceiling ripped open and like, oh, the Holy Spirit comes through and says, (laughs) you guys are going to start a movement that leads to people from every people group of the entire planet, culminating in a a number of people that can't be counted. Like, how would that feel? Overwhelming. Like, I think it's very like
1: empowering, but I think. If I was told that, it would be, like... Yeah, forget that you know. courage we talked
0: about at the beginning. Like, but it means you're <laughs> successful, though, right? Yeah,
1: it may mean it means you're successful, but, like, I think... Like, even today, no, like, with how many people are on Earth, it's still hard to believe that, like, you could possibly be contributing to that.
0: But the fact that we're even having this conversation in North America... I mean, North America wasn't even thought of by, they didn't even know, like, these folks didn't even know North, I mean, Jesus knew, but John didn't know North America was a place. No idea. So to think, like, there's going to be these light-skinned people in North America 2,000 years from now reading this book, yeah, that would blow his mind. But yeah, here we are, because we're part of this multitude, because of the faithfulness of people. These small groups of people, like the, they were faithful, and this is the result. Like it's, it's guys, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and then the last thing it talks about, reigning with God. What do you think it looks like for the church? I'm not talking about any denomination. Because I think we think about the church, we think about our, our church. Like, today, the church in the West is such a small percentage of Christians. Like, you want to go where the action is in the church right now? Go to India. Go to many African nations. Like, so, what do you think? It, like, we're a part of this global thing that crosses denominations that crosses you know it's what do you think it means for, for God's church to reign with Christ what do you think it looks like I might just leave that floating out there for you.
1: I don't know. I feel like, for me, I see it both as, like, the two spellings of R-E-I-G-N, but then also R-A-I-N. Okay. Like, because I just see, like, the imagery of it just coming down and flooding the earth of, like, his glory and his grace and going to all, like, we've been talking about all tribes, nations...
0: Well, and what that really, I mean, here's what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like the Crusades, where literally knights are being like, go out and kill people in the name of Jesus and conquer these lands with military force. It doesn't mean voting for the right candidate for president, for the for the U.S. The America, I I think it's so funny when it's like God is doing all this stuff. It's like, do you really think that God cares that much about like this one dude? Like at this one point in history when the global church is like, we are such a small fraction of like, I mean, not that God doesn't care about you, but like, man, it's so much more than that. It is this movement of God's grace. Which means that every person that you encounter then is your brother and your sister. So, like, as a pastor, I'm not. This is, I'm not attempting to be political. I'm just making this. This is this little comment. Like, this is why. Like, I post about like Black Lives Matter. Not that I. Not that I'm like. We get so caught up on like, well, the organization. Set that aside. The concept that black people's lives matter It's because like if somebody came to my office, like if, if, if Sydney came to my office and told me, man, I keep getting pulled over all the time for no reason. I wouldn't be like, no, they don't. Like if you came to my office and looked me in the (laughs) eye and I know you and I'm, and you're like, Tom, I got pulled over again and I have no idea why. I would never be like, no, you didn't, right? Mm-hmm. I would be like, okay, tell me more about that. Now, I, now, you might be exaggerating, but I wouldn't say like, no, you're not. Now, and so what I mean by that is like I think so often we have been caught up, and that's why I hate like Facebook and Twitter a lot of times and all cable news because we make we make ourselves like – It's the liberals, or it's the conservatives, or it's the, it's like, it's Carter, it's Drew, it's Jake, it's Catherine, it's it's just like, can we get to the point where we actually humanize each other? Like, we were down at Worship Wagon tonight, and we're, you know, we're leading worship and preaching a message to folks that you know, don't have a place to stay. They don't have a home. They they're living, you know, day to day. And I, I want to go down there and learn people's names. Like I love the fact that drew like wanted to go sit and like trick up a conversation with somebody. Cause it's like, we got to get to the point where we see ourselves as part of this bigger thing rather than just, we're trying to, I, I saw one of my pastor pastors that I really respect. His name is Derwin Gray. He's a pastor in North Carolina. And he was preaching last, it was last Sunday, and he had a pair of boxing gloves. And he was, like, putting them on. He's like, why do we think we've got to stand up for Jesus? Like, that Jesus needs us to defend him. Like, that this, like, king of king with lightning and thunder shooting out of him, like, he needs little Tommy Greenwald to stand up for him because Jesus is getting bullied. Like, Jesus doesn't. Jesus can take care of himself, you know. And we get so much, like, defend. Like, obviously we want to stand for our faith. We don't need to fight against people. I think if we the reason why this movement was so compelling is they loved like nobody else loved. And they cared for each other like no one. I mean, like you, you talk about like I know like again the pro-life thing is kind of is kind of politicized as well, but like part of the reputation of the early church was that in the ancient world, life was really cheap. And, you know, if you had a baby and it was like, didn't look the way you wanted to look or had a deformity or wasn't the gender that you wanted to, they would just take the garbage dump that Drew was talking about. They would just take their baby to the garbage dump and throw it in the garbage dump and try again. Like, that's what they would do. And so, you know what the Christians would do? They would go to the garbage dump and pick up those babies and take them into their homes and raise them as their own and there was a whole bunch of people that came to faith literally because they were, grew up in Christian homes. They were like all these discarded children. And again, I'm not trying to like – I want to get away from like the politicization to say like what if we looked at these issues as just not issues but people? They always represent people. And that's how this thing is going to spread. That's why the church is spread the way because it has looked at people and say, your life is important. Like you're created in the image of God and your life has value. And so I'm gonna to listen to you when you're struggling. I'm gonna celebrate with you when you're when you're celebrating. Like what if we could get to the place where we could do that for each other? How beautiful, what, you know, Christians are known by all of these negative, Christians are judgmental and Christians are blah, 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 but it was like, man, Christians like take care of people and Christians, and they do, by the way, like, if you notice, like most hospitals are what St. Jude's, St. Matthew's, Advent Health, Menorah, you know, they're all these like, I mean, so many of our hospitals were started by People of faith that said, like, um, that dude's sick. We should probably take care of him because Jesus would want us to take care of him. That's how hospitals started, literally. So, man, as you guys, I know some of you guys are still in school and you're studying different things. <clears throat> some of you guys are starting off in your jobs or you're maybe a couple years into your jobs, but like, man, if you could take that posture into customers at your work, or teachers in your school, um, or people in your workplace, and you could just approach them with that level of love and compassion humanity, that would change things. That would change things. So, man, that's what this book, it's a book of hope. And to say, don't give up. This is really hard. It's really hard to not, you're going to get, I mean, you saw it all last year. You get baited into follow this candidate or follow that candidate. If you're a real Christian, if you really love people, you'll vote for this and you'll vote for that. And we get so caught up in like that stuff. Not that d- voting doesn't matter, but Joe Biden is not going to save the world. Donald Trump's not going to save the world. Barack Obama didn't save the world. Ronald Reagan didn't save the world and on and on and on. Like they are not Jesus. Only Jesus is Jesus. I know that sounds pretty elementary. And so that's who we've got to give our loyalty to first. We have to. And if we do that, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to get difficult. It's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. But man, like this gets, this is why I get like, guys, I've had a long day. I got tons of stuff to do this week. There is no place that I'd rather be than talking about this with you because this is so beautiful. And if you can just capture this, oh my gosh, like it, it's beautiful. And you are just as capable as John and Peter and Paul and all of those people. You are just as capable because the same Holy Spirit that dwells in them dwells in you. If you're following Jesus. So let me pray for us and then uh, eat some more stuff before you we go. We'll be back here again. I, I think we'll be back here. We'll see. We'll be either here or there. So just watch the group. <laughs> so